0: In this 148th episode, we have Apple Watch goes multi sport, colostrum information, male 55 athlete goes 406 for half Ironman, what bike accuracy tested, why punches are good for some people, uh, mouth guards for your fitness or your efficiency, and other stuff for Martin. Welcome to the 10th year of the Coach Joe Beer Multisport Podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, mountain bikers, and all other fitness enthusiasts.
1: Whatever your distance and whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster.
0: We are supported by no pin suppliers of cycling, running, triathlon, duathlon, aero clothing, custom kit, innovations such as speed pockets, speed belt, trip socks, calf guards. Visit nopins.com. Also supported by southwarkracing.co.uk for all your biking needs with great brands such as Scott, Infocrank, Garmin, GoPro, Powerbar, Continental, Tax. If it's a brand, You've probably got it. Southportracing.co.uk Come on then, let's start. Let's do it. Right. I'm Martin Coach Crocker. <laughs> <Beer>. <laughs> I'm Martin Crocker. And, and this man claims to be... Uh, and I'm Joe Coach Joe Beer. Right. And we are at SFR, Uk. So, so i start with the first one because it's only just come out. Come on, let's go. Apple Watch. Did you see about
1: it yeah but does this coincide with the new iphone that's come out yes okay yes
0: because yesterday and that will tell you when we've recorded this yesterday they did their uh apple event and within that was the iphone 7 and the updates to ios 10 and mac os and uh, tv os and all those other things but as part of the apple watch update which includes the nike watch version which i'm not going to go into that's a run specific and that doesn't come out to end of october anyway but They've come out with Apple Watches even more tweaked towards fitness enthusiasts, of which things like GPS, heart rate sensor, water resistance to fifty meters, apps for workouts on the watch. But also, a look further down into the the technical spec and stuff, it will accept. It said a Bluetooth strap. Now, whether it will also accept a standard amp plus I don't know I didn't look into the absolute and they haven't given the absolute finer details of the specs but it can certainly work with a bluetooth strap and many of them are now dual aren't they
1: most yeah most are either amp or bluetooth compatible but bluetooth is easier if it was amp plus you'd have to have a plug in that's yeah. probably why they've gone bluetooth so yeah so remember.
0: so you know that does appeal to to people that if they want if they want something to uh, you know, measure their measure their um, their fitness they 're looking for maybe more of a, a wrist base than a garmin you know handlebar mount. The downside is the heart rate works off of sensors on the wrist, so you 've got to have it firm enough on the wrist to be able to actually keep contact therefore i don 't know that it will be able to do it swimming, but somebody will eventually tell us whether that 's the case and it just shows how they're moving into more fitness apps and they were giving quite a lot of information about how to make people more active how to nudge people into getting up and doing walking and measuring their steps and so forth so just thought i'd bring that in as it's very time relevant and it's certainly the ipod changed how many people took music into the gym and use music and their warm-up look at the amount of times you see professional cyclists with headphones on warming up and they're probably connected to um, an iPhone possibly or certainly another you know another sort of app. Um, so that was the first one.
1: Good work. Very, um, very now, isn't Very
0: now, yes. Very, very now, about, very up to date. What about you? You've got something. And um, does this relate to... Because we've had quite a lot going on. We did one at the end of July and called it August. And we've jumped through August as it's a busy time. And we're now into September. Lots of things went on in August, didn't yeah.
1: they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, the Olympics, as I like to call it. So, we had the um, biggest show on earth, so they like to say. Um, which I was... Probably pleasantly surprised at how well, uh, as a nation, we did. Yes. And um, partly
0: because Russians weren't there, we must add.
1: Well, well we they, must they, add they
0: were there, but well, they yeah. weren't there in force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, um, and also because there's been you know, time, effort, money, and, uh, and and projections to um to, to win medals. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, definitely. so, so, yeah. So, the, um, you know, we, again, we could probably fill a podcast with with um, you know. Uh, the Olympics, results, but uh, also what was fascinating is some of the kit that Joe and I had a bit of an insight into before the Olympics, and then to see these athletes actually on these bits which, and bobs.
0: Which is what I wrote on my notes about the uh, bike, the bike that um, Mr... Nino Schurter. Nino Schurter, how we... And Jenny Rizved. Yeah, how what Jenny Risved. We'd been uh, in Switzerland, and we'd seen about all how... Uh, different layers of, of carbon are laid up and how they'd look at each structure and component and spent almost the whole Olympic cycle from the previous one working on the bike and its specific, its specific parts that seems incredibly um, benign, not benign, incredibly kind of um, uh, overly focused, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the best bike that can help one of the best riders win medals and he was very, very fit on the day. I thought it was great to see him riding and just, it was like on a road race, he's kind of riding, and then just started looking around and he was thinking, right, who's come with me over this first couple of laps? Yeah. And then just started turning the screw and people just started stringing out. So he had more to give. I mean, he, he literally went, you know, full gas for two laps, cruised it and then went even harder. And to sort of think of what detail went into that, you imagine that across all the other sports, what they would have done with they want about the the boats in uh, rowing, how they'd put this little tiny little like um, shield to help the drag of the boat and things like that. And that 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 I love, I love reading about that because it's it's as interesting as reading about the personalities and the events as reading about the people who you never see. You know, you wouldn't have known who the carbon guy was that did his bike, yeah. but the fact that we met and saw and talked and questioned, you get, get a sense of how many other people are involved in all of this.
1: Well, it's like um, the, the Dan, who's, who's uh, um, an engineer, apparently. We've got to call him an engineer. But, yeah. um, you know, it was almost a full four years, so a full Olympic cycle where yeah. they, they kind of decided, right, now's the time to redesign. And they went and had a look at what they can achieve by you know, investing a certain time, money, effort into into certain areas. I think uh, I think Dan was saying they got halfway through well, a quarter way through a project and then had to scrap it, um, because it just wasn't achieving what they wanted to do. So uh they kind of went back and and, and redesigned. So uh, it's almost been a year and a half, I think, for the bike that uh Nino and um Jenny Resved rode, um, you know, in the making pretty much. So um, so that's quite impressive, and the same with things like the the road bikes um, yeah. as well, and and you know the the, the TT bikes. Um, and worse still,
0: worse so. still. And I thought it was it was a bit ironic that we saw about the testing and the the heat uh, capabilities right. of the new um, Cadence road helmet, and they said you know it's, it's super super safe. It's got the MIPS system in it to allow um a, a minor adjustment to the internal structure on impact and what happened was yeah. it was used by i can't remember the female rider's name she's back racing and has just got on the podium for the first time oh, yeah, I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head but it was kind of like oh well that sort of proves that that's a good helmet because it did its job and it was you know it, it was a treacherous course but it was a technical course and that's the way it is but again to see that i was like oh I've seen how good that helmet is, but I really didn't want to see it tested, if possible. (laughs) I really did not want to see somebody have to hit the deck and go, oh, because I saw her with it on, because they were all bright yellow. Anybody that had that, whether they were road or mountain bike, they had a bright yellow version of the Cadence helmet. And so it stuck out a mile. Even the triathletes, you could see the ones that were on the Cadence uh, version with it very, very clearly bright yellow. And you don't really want to see... Uh, any testing apart from uh, a, a test dummy testing you don't really want to see athletes hit the forward to hope that the f- helmet does its job
1: that's the thing so yeah so the, things like that and even down to the guys uh, even the the track cycling guys even the try guys you know there's there's a lot of kit that was on display that... of which did you see the uh, the no pins Yes, yeah, yeah. So that, that's what, and and that's what I mean. All this kit is available for people yeah. to buy, yeah. which if if you think is insane from the point that we've gone from, um, you know, secret stuff being built for 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 in labs, uh, mm. for one-off races, and now you know everything's kind of all been bought together, and and you know you can go out and buy these bits of mm. these bits of kits, everything from you know kind of the new zero um, aero helmets, you know to you know the your no pins kits trip socks yeah. things like that so, uh, and also
0: i looked back possibly one of the first instances of really getting fired up about endurance sports and what i what i liked although i never went on to velodrome uh, track riding 84 olympics i've still got magazines that show the 84 olympics bikes and they were Compared to how exotic we think bikes are, we've got one of the Scott Plasmas in here. And that's not far off what they would have been TTing on. But you see the bikes that they used in 84, and they were so ridiculously ahead of what anyone else could do. It was like you never got hold of it. You never even saw it. The true temper stuff that the Americans used, a few bikes were made of it, but it was very rare. But now there is this trickle-down theory that they've got to be able to, in theory, have that particular stuff available and, and i like that because then you can think that there is a trickle down and hopefully there is a legacy to every uh continent that hosts the olympics that it helps promote um, further values after the olympics but also that these things are you can buy you know a nino bike you can buy the helmet he's got you can buy um most of the stuff though not all of the stuff on the track it's pretty uh hard to get hold of though supposedly is possible to get hold of
1: and also uh, from from a bike industry point of view you've got Eurobike as well um, so basically it's just a big show at the start of a new season where people go take their stuff to show off there's some new bits and bobs that pop up there um, stuff that most of us have heard of already but you know it's the first incarnation of, of stuff coming out hmm. um, so everything from you know the new FSA electronic group set um, I think Rota were there. Rota won uh, a few um, awards with their um, group sets and their other bits and bobs um, with SRAM tap showing off their, their hydraulic disc brakes as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's quite a nice little array. A couple of things that caught my eye were... Um, which I thought was a wind-up, was... Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, you're yeah. going to say the disc disc. The disc zips disc disc. So, yeah, disc-braked disc, which I'm kind sure of blew my mind. Up. I'm sure that's a wind-up. <laughs> well, no, I've actually seen it. in the, Well, not in the flesh. I've seen pictures of it with a disc on, yeah. uh, not in a bike. And then, obviously, a uh, further development of tubeless clincher yep. tyres yep. on wheel sets. So um, everybody's kind of starting to go towards this now. So... Um, but other than that, it was um, just the incorporation of, of things that have happened already, but they, they've just been advanced. So yeah. uh, Joe and I had a conversation on uh, disc brakes and disc brakes on aero bikes and shrouds for these disc brakes. Uh, I've seen pictures Because you've seen one. You told me you've seen Yeah, them. I've yeah. seen pictures of it, and, and my inability to be able to use technology has resulted in me forgetting where I saw it. But I've
0: seen a bike
1: today
0: somewhere that... They'd integrated the rear. It might have been a a prototype um, sort of icon bike that wasn't working, but they'd integrated the rear uh, caliper into the fact that you've got a horizontal stay yes, going into yeah. going into the sort of where the rear axle is, and it was and the the disc sort of sat in that horizontal mm-hmm. rear stay. So the caliper was effectively integrated within the. Yeah and you can see yeah that might i i just don't get to what extent you need that capability of braking on a on a TT bike perhaps perhaps we'll be all looking at it going oh it's so great because it simplified the it simplified the rim so again you can play around with aerodynamics it made the rim lighter because you don't have to beef it up quite so much around the rim where you're braking yeah. but also it is in so many other motorbikes motorbikes don't have um discs for say, motocross, but they don't use them on the track. Mm. They use them on MotoGP. So you kind of think, maybe it's just the way it's going to go and it's all going to revert to being disc. And we're going to look yeah. back and go, why were we wearing down rims? Yeah, yeah, what was it. the point of wearing down the most expensive part of the wheel?
1: But then this is the thing, you know, I, I, I like the fact that there's, there's, there's always going to be advancements in technology. It's, it's, yeah. it's just the way we are. It's, it's just, just the, the disc, disc, isn't it? It just... <laughs> just threw me out. So yeah,
0: Tell me, you have to tell us uh, live on air the first time Somebody ever comes in and says, "I want a disc, disc, Discus, yeah, I want yeah. a disc, disc." Is there any chance you can get me a disc? Because disc? I don't even know of a of a TT bike that is even compatible with having a rear disc. Sipo. have got, got them, haven't um, they? I'm yeah. just thinking, Super Venom Venom, 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 I think. Venom have got one. Yeah, so I, I have to have to say I do know one, but it didn't it didn't immediately spring to mind. But it looked strange, but it looks strange on road bikes to have discs, and it is a complete change of uh technology. For most people it is a complete you know, they've not been used to you off-road guys used to uh bleeding brakes and knowing how to do that. Most people can just about adjust a barrel on a brake to work out how to um you know how to get better braking, but they're not they're not experts on, on discs or shocks or things like that. So yes, perhaps disk disc we will um keep the words. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, we'll keep an open mind with that. So Another bit of uh, of news. Of, I guess it's an update or it's an expansion of the fact that we had spoken about colostrum. Yes, yes. And colostrum. There has been. I guess go via Google. Look up. Uh, look at Plymouth.ac.uk and look at how they've been doing research and looking into. Uh, the military at risk, the moment they start doing research, and it's not just about athletes, it's about the military, you can see that there's some serious uh, reasoning behind why they want to do it. So when when glycerol was legal for hyperhydration, and again, Google that if you don't know what hyperhydration is, but you drag extra water into the body before endurance events, uh, but the downside is it supposedly can also help people mask The use of of doping, so it was banned a few years back, and so you know we can't advocate the actual use of glycerol. But the first glycerol studies were were to do with the military testing: could they give extra water to the soldiers to go out for a bit longer and come back again in a better state than if they'd stayed out there longer and not been hydrated? And the moment colostrum came up, and I saw that it was relating to to the to the military at risk. Uh, there's, there's more research out there. There's certainly research done at, uh, at Plymouth U- University, both in the colostrum and zinc carnosine. And having seen what this does for people that have got broadly termed runners trots or they find that they've got increasing stomach issues with hot races and sometimes quite short hot races, colostrum seems to be a thing that it might seem quite exotic and, and uh up there with uh, all the marginal gains of uh, Team Sky and Olympic cyclists and so forth. But for some people, this has been an absolute lifeline. And within two weeks, they're like, well, I hope it is this stuff, that's phenomenal. I'm feeling much better, my stomach's much better. Wow, that's, um, that's, that's really helped. And because it was related, it isn't the big bit of research, the big bit of research came out a little while ago, but it sort of shows that there's an interest in it because if it can prevent the leaky gut that you get from heavy exercise and from certainly being in you know probably uh, in uh, fatigues and being in in all your gear you know uh, walking around in uh, 40 plus degrees you're going to get quite a lot of heat load on the stomach so if people do have issues with their body that may have just worsened as you've got more into endurance exercise seems to have gotten worse you seem to have to you know always dash into the portaloo events or always get Uh, runner's trots when you start getting too warm it might be worth looking up and investing in it to see whether you can actually help your gut because what you don't want is to repeatedly be getting diarrhea and effectively losing through your stomach because once it's happening through just exercise you're then losing more of your nutrients for your foodstuffs and you just get on this slippery slope of just getting more and more tired and fatigued. So that was something I wanted to bring up because I thought it was relevant and it Having seen a particular client recently in two weeks, it's like miraculous. from somebody that's having to, you know, dive into port a and time their runs and all of that to suddenly be able to do a six-hour event and be okay, you're like, that's what we want. We want to rebuild the body from the inside out.
1: It's good stuff. It is good stuff. I mean, we do kind of, we use it, I use it through the winter. Um... And look how beautiful you are, Martin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not <laughs> on miracle, um, but... It seems to it seems to work for me keeps it keeps silly little things like those like lines loads. in your forehead and yeah, yeah. <laughs> stops you botoxing yeah, stops me from bloating up yeah um, but yeah it's good stuff so I, I kind of I use it quite regularly so
0: what was because uh, you've got quite a few things written down what was another thing that you'd spotted on the old uh, I guess it's it's been Eurobike but soon there'll be um, is it uh, what's the US one Interbike. There the US one, there's sort of Eurobike, and then there's another one in. I think it's Interbike or something like that. There's another one coming, isn't there?
1: Yeah, they do. They do Sea Otter as well, don't they? Which yeah. Is
0: a, what else? Uh, Come on, what there was something else you've. Um...
1: Yeah, I the, smart turbo. Come yeah, on. Smart yeah. The yeah, other was the um, the the kind of the, the growing yeah but i didn 't want to bring that up until we until we 'd kind of gone into the darkest depths of oh, winter. what, say? <laughs> to, but um, unfortunately that is it 's something that we can 't stop the uh, can stop, stop stop the uh, trot of i suppose uh, sorry pardon pardon the, the continuation <laughs> on the colostrum subject um, so yeah, smart train is just being a um, you know a, a major force to to reckon with, so got long gone are those days now where you can just we just hopped on your turbo trainer, kind of cursing and swearing with I don't know Joe might have given you a uh, a plan that you had to train you you weren't able to get out push for time and you are just cursing thinking oh, I'm going to have to sit on this turbo trainer now for an hour and a you bit. Were gonna and you were going to swear then you you I caught you then no. just you
0: said you're going to sit on the. And you pause before turbo trainer.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so to the smart trainers now, so, uh, you know, right on up to the very, very top-end ones where, you know, they're absolutely wireless. Everything is incorporated. It generates its own power. Mm. You know, you, you don't need to have... Uh, an exterior plug for it, Um, it, they fold away, they're all Bluetooth, AMP Plus, you know, you can use them with different devices, So whether that be your iPhone, your iPad, uh, your computer, your Garmin, Uh, some of them, uh, which they've been able to do for a little while, is you can do a course recognition so you can go and do your 10 mile um 10 mile tt course Mm. you can download the gpx file to the actual uh either to a computer program to your garmin send it to your turbo trainer and it will basically run through all the ascents and descents of that um you know so you can you can purposely train to to ride slightly differently on that course Mm. i mean if you really really had a load of time on your hands you could go out and uh GoPro it and then match that to the God knows how you do that, but there yeah. you go. You know you'd have to if you're going to do some something like that, then probably best uh, spending a bit more time doing some training. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah.
0: say, I prefer just go out and do it when it's when it's um, when, when it's
1: good to go. Yeah, yeah when it's
0: good to go, but, even if it's the wrong day and the wrong time, just go and do it.
1: But also, you can actually download GPX files from people that may have done um, the uh, may have done an Ironman course, yeah, and, and you know you can go out and you know, basically GPX that file onto your smart turbo and it'll uh, wow. it'll run you through it. Because so. you've got
0: increasing uh it's connected with this and it was one that I'd written on not on one of these pieces of paper that I'm carrying in my hand, but on a, a, a note because I've started using it and I think it's a I think it's a really good uh, website is mywindsock.com. Right.
1: you are going to have to put a link out for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, you can see you can see it in real time on here. Look, there's an email from the chap actually, mywinsock.com about um, about power and stuff. I was just asking him some questions. But you uh, are typically at the moment looking at time trial courses. Those have already been loaded in by people or by the uh, host um, Ben, such that you go into his site mywinsock.com. You find a course, you click on it, and then it, show, it shows you. A map you could get anyway, if you went to you know one of the many myride.com or places where people drop the GPS mm-hmm. details in. But this then says, okay, um, based on using weather information, which the uh, website drags in, you choose a time and a day, and it will say, this is the likely wind. You can then look at what your will you experience, what will be the percentage of headwind, tailwind, what will be the ground speed, airspeed, all these different factors. And you'll get all of this stuff coming across and it will be, um, it will be like putting together what is, um, I guess it's, it's, it's what we did when we had the, the data from the file, which way does the course go? And somebody says East, West, you say, I'll oh, just look online. And then you go to Met Office and look at the weather and you try and pull those things to, together. This does it for you, and you can look at it and say, Okay, I'm gonna put in this many watts, my rolling resistance is this, this and this, and it'll predict a time. We've had people doing it, it's pretty damn close. So it's not to say there's your time, are you gonna go and race or not? Because it's still whether <laughs> you don't need to. Yeah, well, you don't need to. Time. Yeah, we've got your time, yeah. Just post it online yeah, and we,
1: can we put it down on the official results? Yes, well, yes, I haven't ridden it.
0: it. I haven't ridden it, but there's my sort of data. And and I always say I would rather people exceed what something says or exceed the numbers or perhaps ride it a bit differently. And knowing how the system now works, because I found out the background, I know it can be improved upon because it isn't exactly how you ride it. So this person's done it, but it's different to how, how it should be worked out. But it's pretty accurate and it's quite a good tool for people. And I know they're going to be moving into more triathlon courses, anything. I mean, anything that's got a, a GPS versus a weather prediction, sportive, you know, uh, I doubt it's going to be that useful for cyclocross or mountain biking, but certainly higher speeds of sportives, time trials, um, uh, sportives, time trials, road races. If you can predict it, this is what Head were doing a few years ago for the Trek team. They were saying, this is where the wind's going to be. We reckon you need to use these wheels and these wheels. So this isn't down to the wheels, but if you take the data and you're looking at really high wind angles and high high speed winds, you might think, actually, I'm not going to take that really deep wheel. I probably can't do it. But yes, mywindsock.com and perhaps just perhaps just see it, perhaps watch it grow. At the moment, it is more time trial-based. It sort of is along the, the you know, it's along the route of the smart train. It's saying, look, this is stuff online. And does it get it right when you go to the real world? But it's also perhaps helping people that haven't really had a lot of experience on how to do these things. And then it can tell them how much they're going to experience in terms of wind and speeds and so forth. Um, and, uh, yeah, give it a go.
1: So, um, yeah. So my
0: wind sock. Yes, say that correctly. Mm-hmm. Mywindsock.com.
1: I really want to do this one. Can I do it? Yes. This is, this yes. is good. He's, he's been, Joe's been clutching this piece of paper. I now, know. Uh, it, he popped out and I was going to have a look at it, but he actually took it with him. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was interesting. There was an athlete
0: doing a race who, if you're unaware, on the Ironman 70.3 and the Ironman uh, full distance races, you can accumulate points based on. The winner in your age group wins, I think off the top of my head, it's, it's 5,000 points. And then every every minute thereafter, a certain number of points are lost. So even if somebody's coming in second place, they're better to race as fast as possible. Because if they get closer to the winner, they'll get more points. So they still get second place and they still get probably the same. Um, it's not affecting the uh, amount of prize money, though you wonder whether they start doing that. You know, the closer you get, the more you get. But... Age groupers can therefore race to get points. And uh, a client of mine did uh, did a race. Uh, unfortunately, an ex-pro also did that race. For me, it was incredibly, it was interesting. It was almost like it threw out a lifeline for people that think, oh, my am bound to get slower. You're not going to get, uh, you're not going to become a pro as you get older if you weren't a pro when you were younger. But this guy, who's called Rob Burrell, if you weren't into triathlon in the very early, sort of mid 80s to early 90s, the name wouldn't mean anything, but he is an awesome, awesome, awesome athlete. Um, I watched footage online, I went back, watched footage online where he was racing the likes of uh, Mark Allen and Scott Moline and Scott Tinley, the very you know best of the professionals of the day. This guy turns up, he's in the 55, 59 age group, okay? Half marathon, sorry, half Ironman. He does a 25 minute swim for 1,900 metres, a 2,12, 56 mile bike, and a 1,25 half marathon, okay? So it gets a 4,06, okay? So take those times, you know, 25 minutes for 1,900, divide that out, work out if you can swim that fast, look at a 2,12, 56 mile bike, see if you can go that fast, and then a 1,25 half. That's a strong half on its own. He's in a 55, 59 year age group. And then you see he wins by a colossal twenty-eight minutes. So the guys behind him are four thirty-five, four thirty-seven, four forty-five. You know they're they're close-ish for Budapest, which is not. I wouldn't say it's been on the radar for ages. It's not the biggest. It's not um, seventy-point-three worlds. But still, the people behind him are so far behind him. He runs a one twenty-five. The next fastest runner does one thirty-five. I mean, ten minutes. He could have had a nine-minute break. You know. Yeah, that's transitions. Even as transitions are quick. Yeah, I was, I was Even transitions at. are basically taking almost a minute out of people on something that only takes three minutes. The first transition, he takes one forty-two. Everyone else is taking three and four minutes. So you kind of think, this isn't a, a joddery 55 to 59-year-old that kind of does a really fast swim and then has to really take it easy. He is flying. And to do 4.06... I don't know the overall where that put in the overall. And certainly the pros of today are doing the 340s, 350s for most races. I don't know winner's time on that race. I'd have to um, look it up. But it was it was a great big um impact on the points of these people in this age group because this pro turns up. But it's it's quite good to say, look, if this guy's looked after himself and he was one of the best. And certainly was European champion and has got a a Palmas that's so good, you could think that guy is super awesome. But he kind of happened before triathlon got big. So unless you were in, you know, you probably never heard of Rob Burrell before.
1: No. No, no at I, all. I, but
0: he, you know, you put it in and you see what he did. You're like, wow, that guy was making a living out of the sport in Europe. He didn't go to Hawaii much. He was better, you know, keeping it to Europe, the Nice triathlon and so forth. But... He, you know, he's he's forty, sorry, he's fifty-five, fifty-nine, and he's doing a four oh six. Most people in their entire life would like to do a four oh six, you know, and they might be in their twenties and be at their peak, but not in their late fifties. Yeah. And so, yes, it affected my client's points, and he was like, you know, it, it was it was a funny conversation because he's like, that's awesome, because that's what that, that's what's shown to be a really kind of you know, high-performance athlete, not somebody to say, oh, yeah, but he's 25 years younger. They're actually the same age. He is just an awesomely fit and continued to be awesomely fit um, athlete. And I had a look, and I couldn't find much of his training online, but I did find this... It was about a 10K run, one December, middle of winter, and it's just, you know, 10K, done at um, whatever it was. You know, it wasn't done fast, it was just done at a steady state. Zone one. Zone one, as we'd say, sort of thing. And I thought, I'm gonna try and see if I can find out a bit more about Rob Burrell, or so go back and, and say, you know, can I ask you a few questions? Because to have that amount of longevity in, a, in an endurance career is pretty staggering. If you said 406 if you said something wow 46 that was good and they said they're 55 59 you'd be like what mm-hmm. you know staggering winning you know whatever that percentage is that's basically 246 minutes right and he's won by over 10 percent because he's won by 28 minutes so he's he's 10 percent better than anybody else in his in his uh, age group of which there are different countries there's there's uh russians french german so you know there's people that have gone there to think, I could get a 70.3 championship, you know, place. And unfortunately, he um, he, did, he did up. something to their fireworks. Good, good.
1: <laughs> so 55 Five, 59. 59
0: and impressive. a 4.06, a four wow. hour six. You just look at the marathon and say half marathon, 125. Well, that's pretty good for a runner. Yeah, what about a runner in 55, 59? That's pretty solid. What about a runner after doing 56 miles? Like, whoa. Yeah. And a 25 minute swim. I mean, you're talking quite, quite staggering... Um, Quite staggering speeds, really. Um, so,
1: what are, next with you? Um, that was pretty much it now, until right. kind of um, most of the new kit arrives, pretty much. So, okay. um, nothing else that that's kind of on the on the horizon that I know of uh, just yet. But obviously, I will make notes and uh, bring it back. So, yeah. okay what bikes do you know many people with them what bikes yeah what bike what yes bikes? um i do i do yeah. know a few people, They've become
0: they? they've become one of those uh perhaps not the perhaps not the virtual bikes that you're talking about the indoor bikes and uh yeah we're already talking about the indoor bikes and it's it's still sunny some uh, days it's yeah. still sunny but there was somebody that had done uh i think it this was from the journal of sport science i printed just the the abstract i didn't print the rest of it because I was in a rush to get my notes done. But this person had basically uh, taken 10 watt bikes. They'd used a, uh, what did they use? They used a motorized calibration rig at 70, 90, 110, and 130 revs uh, cadence. And they did uh, 100 through to 1000 watts at different points to see what the variance was. And for example, the the within-bike differences ranged from about 0 to 8 watts at 300 watts to, what, 3 to 19 watts when you got up to 600 watts. So they're kind of, you know, they're starting to get slightly worse, but 20 watts at 600 watts is, you know, probably for most people close enough. To do a 600-watt sprint, you're not, you're not worried that it's going to be out by 20 watts, if you're probably not an Olympian anyway, because you're not necessarily looking for that next 20 watts. Plus, they'd have to triple that for the Olympic sprinters to see whether they were measuring serious enough loads. Um, so they they looked at it, and they, they basically said that um, uh, differences of half a watt to 25 watts at intensities from 150 to, to 980 watts um, there's there's not a there's not a significant difference um, within the tests and retests of the taking different models or retesting the same model, um, and it's accurate, reliable tool for performance assessment, um, and it is fairly interchangeable. So within these bikes, which I guess we don't know the age of them, does it get worse in you know two years, ten years, however many years we don't know, but certainly for people that that sometimes question power systems that isn't probably close enough for olympic people to think it's quite on the money 20 watts at 600 is a bit too much of an error really yeah you know if you think if you think that would be that would be at 400 watts which would be you know less than what they do in the in the pursuits and things like that if it's out by Uh, let's think if it's out by 15 to 20 watts that's too much that's like are you starting to lose a bit or are you you going quite well so I can see for the majority of punters that is as accurate as most of the systems that exist on the bikes and actually some of them um, which we know the names of but we can let other people work out what that would be some of them people have already sent back three this season and they're still getting dodgy data so Probably the watt bike is a good enough tool at present for most amateur athletes. Agreed.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and again, kind of, I mean, the only thing that sometimes I know you can adjust the watt bike to to positions that suit. But I'm, for the money that I think you spend, maybe monthly, or you buy it outright for that particular type of of, of bike, you know, you can have yourself a bike that you can race on yeah. with a power meter. Yeah on a turbo and be in the position that you need to be in to ride. You know, you get more used to your equipment and you're almost better off than, you know. It's normally cheaper to kind of get yourself, either have a bike with a power meter on. Uh, I know you can rent them for... You know, month two months they'll come and pick it up, drop it off, show you how to work it. But yeah. you know, you're almost better off surely, yeah. um, kind of getting your your bike set up so you can be comfortable. And when you come yeah, to do I would, your I would agree. target race, yeah, then, most you know, people ready. have
0: got them because they are in addition to a power meter bike. But they, you know, sometimes don't want to be taking a race bike on and off of a turbo, and they can just have the watt bike there ready to go. Hmm. Their race bike sometimes typically, you know, quite literally lives in the, you know, the, the back of a van between races or it's hung up and they use it for key sessions on the road. But the beauty of the Watt bike is it mirrors the position. So you've got this sort of position that it can mirror, but they don't have to keep getting their race bike. Because if you come back from a race and you haven't got your bike out of a box, you can just jump on the, the Watt bike. But I know people that have got their best bike and then they've got an old frame with really sort of quite, you know, rough and ready bits of kit on it just to get the same position. What they're not worried about is that it's not a complete bike. No brakes on it. The minimum of gearing, often with an old, perhaps, you know, old shifter or even a, even a thumb shifter. So say, all I want to do is select gears. I don't need to be in the exact position, but I want to duplicate my position at cost. And what bike is an additional thing. I don't think, for the most part, it probably hasn't got the you know I can see why people get into row machines and they like them. Um, I don't think you'd have the same kind of mindset to be, um, excuse us while there's a quick uh, flash of light. Um, I don't think there'd be the same effect had between a rowing machine and a a Watt bike. I don't think people would fall in love with their Watt bike. It's functional, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's to say. And it is probably for the ease of of use. And everybody's busy. So that's the thing now is everybody's kind of, you know, they're they're very um, time poor, unfortunately. Time crunched. Yeah. There's a book about that. So I know. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So the, you know, what bike is a is a perfect item to have in your arsenal if you're pushed for pushed for time because you just get on it and crack on. Yes. Right. shuffle shuffle paper man. Yeah, shuffly, shuffly
0: paper. I'm just I'm showing that there's notes in the background. That's for you. That's for you to read afterwards. That's a little uh, a little bonus for you. Uh, oh, good God. <laughs> in tubes. I picked this up and I thought sometimes we can do good by doing quite the simplest of things, and if you google and you google the uh elephant bike project and they're based actually in Utoxeter, they are they're actually um they're taking old inner tubes and they help uh the recycled rubber goods are then resold and any of the profits they make they then uh they then ship bikes what they call elephant bikes which aren't elephants made as bikes, and so nobody thinks there's elephants. Or an elephant have been, riding a bike. an elephant riding a bike. No, um, it's um, yeah, it's it's a way of sort of saying don't just throw your inner tube away. You send it to these people, and um, you actually can make a difference because you actually get the uh, they get these bikes sent across, and they help people that can't afford in uh, in in Malawi the the means to sometimes have you know, a simple bike, but it could make a massive difference on how far somebody can go and how they can do errands and they can help their community. And it's just literally recycling the rubber from inner tubes. So rather than throwing it in your domestic waste, actually, search online, Elephant Bikes, they're based in, as I said, utoxeter And they've got an address, you send the tubes across to them. Yeah, it's a little bit of money. Um, and, uh, there's one exception. Uh, they say they'll take any tubes with the exception of slime-filled versions. So if you fill if you fill them with slime, um, because you uh, you you perhaps uh, one of those off-roaders like you, you fill it with slime. They won't accept those. But perhaps we could do a little bit of good. I I put my hand up. I changed an inner tube and put a patch on it. For the first time, probably in about ten years, because I had no other way of getting back because the valve wasn 't long enough in the tube that I had, but I thought, "Wow, I never have patched them i 've literally got home Very i've nice. been one, yeah. and I get the next one a i don 't want a patched tube to be what i 'm relying on because I still even though those park tools stick on ones are brilliant i 'd rather have complete rubber rather than a load of patches, so i 'll be replacing that one, but I thought i 've been those before that." tube when it comes out can actually along with all the others can actually do some good because for triathlon you can make some um some ankle um like straps that you use in the pool but you can only do that so many times mm. and then you start thinking what do you do with the inner tubes and you bin them
1: but then uh, rubber itself i mean especially for a for a trade for us is if you could get rid of nuclear waste uh easier than you can uh Rubber tyres, tubes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so, and they're
0: only on about yeah. the tubes. They just want tubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't. They didn't talk about the the rubber tyre itself. But you never know; somebody else might think about that. And increasingly, and uh, who is the female sailor? Dame Ella MacArthur. MacArthur. Yeah. She's part of a, a business that looks at the whole cycle of products and how. They try and get people to realize that you don't, you know, you don't just grab all these materials. You, you you make something and then you sell it to somebody and they've got to, you know, they've got to bin it. They actually look at the complete life cycle. So they're looking at it more with, you know, Apple products and other products that have to be made of, you know, um, cadmium free and all these other things. But also that the product itself can be taken apart and reused or melted down. Yeah. And... I think that will come more and more to biking. You'll you'll realise there is a full circle that it's got to run, and if we can do it even for inner tubes at a start and say, hey, we can throw these inner tubes in the post to this place in um, Utoxeter, and they'll do something with it. I think that's a I think that's a um, uh, I think that's a really good thing. Yes, we can
1: make a little bit of difference. Well, we can. And uh, the, my my biggest bugbear is gel wrappers on the floor. Oh, Martin, at races don't get Martin started with gel wrappers on the floor. Inner tubes. You know, from from a mountain biking point of view, I, there's many a place that were kind of you know a lot of riders use kind of the same lanes. But I just find inner tubes on the floor after they've had a punch. Just chuck it, chuck it in a pocket, chuck it in your bag, take it home, and then do some good.
0: Right. Last one, mouthpieces. Okay, so gum <laughs> gum shields, gum shields. You've just gone from rubber inner tubes to mouthpieces. Yeah, I
1: know. What what, what kind of podcast what can, is this?
0: Podcast is this? And oh, we're gonna have to kind have of, the explicit thing kind on. Kind of
1: ours. barrel are we scraping yes, here? Yes.
0: Yes. Um, so this is research that's looking into mouthpieces
1: and... You're going to have to go more into depth. Into so depth. So, my, we talking so, about?
0: so we're talking about mouthpieces that, okay, some sports have to have them because of contact. But there's also a, a a trend or a thought that you could use a mouthpiece as a way of trying to make people more efficient uh, breathers or more efficient exercises. And I saw this... Research a while ago and they looked at the gas exchange. So they got people exercising on a treadmill and they looked at with a, uh, with a, a mouthpiece. And I believe it was one made by Under Armour. They then also got them to just run normally with no mouthpiece. They also then taped their mouth over, which now, meant, <laughs> which meant don't go there, right. which meant that they then had to nose breathe. Okay. Right. They had to nose breathe. The conclusion of the initial thing was, this is great, because look, look what it does. It, um, it's got better oxygen dynamics. Actually, it hasn't, because they're running at the same speed, okay? So they're running at the same speed on the treadmill. The people that have got the mouth guard in are taking 2.2 to 2.4 litres of oxygen to run. The people that nose breathe are taking between 1.1 and 1.3 litres of oxygen to run, okay? So there's a much uh, greater oxygen turnover because they're breathing it out. And not only that, they're therefore breathing more carbon dioxide out, out, I should say. What they're actually doing is they're causing a lot greater turnover because if you can do it nose breathing, that's your most efficient. That's saying, look, You have to still run at this speed, but you're not allowed to use your mouth. And their breathing rate was something down at about, uh, let's say, between 25 and 28 breaths per minute. The people that had the gum shields in, it was something up around 31 to 33. So straight away, they're breathing more regularly and they're breathing less efficiently. Heart rate was the same. So if you looked at those people in heart rate terms, you might say, oh, same workout. If you look at it in terms of the the breaths per minute, it's what people say for nose breathe training, which is they felt really relaxed and they've therefore used less oxygen. But it's not good to use a mouthpiece unless you want to make it harder work, unless you want to increase the amount of oxygen and carbon dioxide that you're turning over. You don't actually want to make it harder work unless you're trying to deliberately use more oxygen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah? Um, and it's sort of, to me, it doesn't show the mouthpiece thing works in exercise. It actually shows how effective nose breathing is because the person nose breathed and exactly the same heart rate and at exactly the same speed, they brought their oxygen cost down by not quite half. I mean, it isn't half the the typical... Um, the the range between 1 and 10 minutes the whole time that they were running um, it, it brought it down uh, it brought it down I mean, it brought it down considerably you're looking at something the ventilation was like something between 53 litres when their nose breathed it was 32 litres so what was happening with with the the, the gum show they're just using more air to do exactly the same, same. output yeah, yeah, and when the output is what you 're trying to do it's not meant to be um it's not meant to be that you're trying to make it harder work the heart rate would and i think with these people, I could find out their max heart rate, but I think they were they were well into zone two, they certainly weren't um totally doing a uh a sort of zone one session, but it does prove that you can nose breathe even though you're into zone two, okay? Yeah, and people okay. have found this even in quite high exertion races. You can occasionally close your mouth, take big nose breaths, and relax. And what you notice is some of the breathing you've been doing is actually just been habit, you just finished, mm-hmm. <laughs> you stop, you go. And you stop everything. If you stop breathing, well, not stop breathing, but you sort of pause in the breath rate, what happens is all of that uh, oxygen that's gone down into the lung bed stays there because you're not going to hyperventilate it quickly back out. It stops. The blood then going through the lungs for several seconds can grab the oxygen and drop off the carbon dioxide and suddenly the person goes i just felt so much better when i did a few of those nose breaths whereas if you keep hyperventilating you almost get used to feeling out of breath breath. yeah because it's almost what you think happened to two minutes ago and if you can it's amazing even at quite late stages into hard exercise it's amazing how you can take those big nose breaths and, and momentarily let every bit of oxygen cross over the lung bed into the blood and get that brief respite. And the moment you do that, you go, actually I'm not in as, as, as quiet quite a state as I thought. And that I think is the key when you see the elite athletes. You don't see them going ha, 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 for like 20 minutes. They rarely pop until the very last minute because they're the experts at still being able to keep their breathing mechanics under control. Because once those breathing mechanics go out of control, you're in you're in you're in trouble. Mm. You know, because although they've measured the same heart rate in these athletes, If that exercise had to continue, the ones using basically what about 40% more oxygen would eventually run out of uh, carbohydrates, run out of um, ability to keep going because they're just going through their resources too quickly. If you're hyperventilating and your carbon dioxide is up, you must be using more carbohydrate. And at the time, it was kind of like, um, it was kind of like. the the outcome was almost trying to be positive about it, and then I looked at the data and thought, how how can using more oxygen be more positive? Because uh, it it doesn't really make sense. And if you look at it, and it says that you know custom mouthpieces result in improved gas exchange parameters, I don't get how that can be improved gas exchange parameters. The heart rate is basically the same. It's not significantly different. They're in the one low 160s. Um, the the respiration rate, the number of breaths per minute, is gone from 26 nose breathing up to 32 breaths per minute with a mouthpiece. But also significantly so, the the, the actual ventilation is 53 litres. Why use 53 litres when you can use 32? Unless you're deliberately trying to work harder than you need to but i don't get that's what you should be doing you shouldn't be trying to use as much um oxygen as possible and so not that people have said should i use a mouthpiece i think there's other and and it's why i'm interested in this is there's other things to do with uh uh, dental mouthpieces that i'm looking into but i don't think that this is one of those eureka moments, people oh, we should all have a mouthpiece in. It probably shows it's harder for people that do have to have a mouthpiece because they're, they're not so um, efficient. But another study by, again, a similar, um, a similar group that came out in um, the Open Access Journal of Science and Technology, of which Martin, that- Martin's a regular reader.
1: Yearly sign-up. Yearly
0: sign-up. Um, 24 college-aged, recreationally fit athletes ran for 30 minutes. And they used, again, um, a mouthpiece. Um, and I think they used a randomly assigned for each trial. So they had two separate trials of the mouthpiece. Lactate and cortisol um, was taken as well. They found lactate levels were lowered in the mouthpiece condition. Um and they, they kind of almost said, oh, look, the mouthpiece actually helps the exercise population. But this is just looking, it's almost like looking at a, um, it's, a it's It's two separate trials with a mouthpiece random, randomly assigned um, to each trial for all subjects. So they just used a different mouthpiece. They didn't look at, hold on a minute, what about if we compared this to um something different and i think it's almost going back and trying to find something that they didn't find in 2011 because like well that to me is a pretty good study that you've you've shown with these men and women you've got 16 people you know they're again students 18 through to 21 um but at six and a half miles per hour they're showing that if you have a mouthpiece it doesn't actually benefit you unless you just want to burn more calories.
1: I'd, I'd, I'd like You'll be to, Yeah, I'd like to know that the the thought process behind someone saying, "Well, I'll tell you what. What we could do is we could make a mouthpiece to make you yeah. uh, to make you uh, more efficient."
0: But in this study, they do give a little bit. Um, endurance athlete felt they recovered more quickly after endurance athlete. Um, sorry, I'll read it correctly. Uh, Garaby reported that endurance athletes felt they recovered more quickly after endurance training and could run at a higher intensity when wearing a mouthpiece than when not wearing a mouthpiece. Um, however, he provided no physiological measures from this study. So that's just hypothetical. And if people believe that mouthpiece works, they'll do it. Smith, in two different studies reported um, with football players, um they increase their muscular strength when wearing a, a mouth guard. Hey. Um it adjusted um kinesiologically it adjusted their their um their jaw. And there are things that if you get your jaw alignment out, you can lose. There's quite significant things that can happen if your jaw's misaligned. Um hence why I'm looking into this um into this area. But I don't think a mouth guard is something that's going to end up being one of these key things. But it would if you looked at this and it says um. You looked at the the research end and it it sort of says it improved endurance performance with a mouthpiece you go oh i'm going to get one of those mouthpieces it makes you better and you look at the numbers and i started looking at the you know things like ve and stuff like that that i'm just like looking at it doing the matrix thing going that's not right that doesn't make sense that's that's turning somebody into a less efficient athlete and it doesn't really say what the conclusion of the study says. And sometimes that's what you've got to watch, is that the conclusion can, in a funny way, sort of talk about the results, but not really give you the specifics. And you look at the specifics and go, actually, I don't want anybody with a, with a, a gum shield type thing in saying, it's going to make me a better athlete, it's going to make you a worse athlete. What's the simplest thing is closing your mouth and nose breathing.
1: Yeah, You're, I would, you'll be fuddled well I, I wouldn't say it was on the list my list of priorities to to kind of to, to have would be a i mean I understand it from a, a contact sports point of view so um, but no not really for
0: you don't really get well it. and
1: I don't get it either but well, maybe
0: a bit more come and there's, theres this is it there's a few things I'm looking into and it's on, it's on my radar to look at that and a couple other um, uh, pieces of uh, piece of research in the area of uh, dentistry and sports performance. So I think I think we've come to a a conclusion of our September one. We are going to do one very, very soon. So we get one out very near the end of September and into October. So we're definitely on our, our, our monthly podcast. We appreciate the iTunes ratings. More importantly, appreciate the questions as they come in. And there was there were just no time with the things that had fallen from 147 to 148. So get your questions in for the next podcast as you are hearing this podcast, either through the Twitter feed, um, through uh, coachjobeer.com or jbst.com at mac.com email. And follow us on Twitter, which is at South Fort Racing, at Coach Joe Beer, Facebook slash Coach Joe Beer, Facebook slash... South Fort Racing. South Fort Racing. So,
1: yeah. But also I was thinking what we could do is... Um, we could do uh, maybe a little a video that we could pop Ooh. on as well. Just just with what we do. I mean, I know we've put occasionally we've put some photographs on there, but just kind of how we how we set up and yeah. like a little time lapse video or something. Like yeah, that we'll we we we'll
0: that. talk to our uh, our expert Henry would probably tell us how to do that. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, uh, and it's, it's so done, easy right? to do things like that and differ. Uh, if nothing else, it'll put a face to a, a face to a name, and it's, I've I've seen how people that have met you that come in the shop go oh, oh, you're, you're Crocker, aren't you? And they suddenly think, you know, I don't know what they think you look like, but you look exactly like that because you're not changing and you <laughs> haven't had any work done no, no, and no, the colostrum's no. not working <laughs> no, no, at all.
1: At all. But it is nice to actually, it's nice to, to, to meet people sometimes when they come in and just say, oh, we, we listen to the podcast or, you know, you don't. That was so Devon, Podcast. 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 You don't sound anything like you look. Which I don't know whether, <laughs> I don't know whether that's a compliment or an insult, but I, the way I looked at it was I, I took it as a compliment yes, because they yes. weren't laughing.
0: Yes, absolutely. So thank you, listeners. Please send in your, your questions and uh, your reviews and so forth. And we will look forward to, uh, to presenting another episode in one month's time. Remember, train smart and have fun. Every time he has to look at that to remember what he says. So try it one more time. Come on, and remember: train smart and have fun. <laughs>